I wake up every morning with the numbers. This is okay. But if you are a new brand, I mean, you have to think about you no know, other things. First of all, what will be your hard share? And how are you going to get that hard share? What will be the standards? What will be the rules to reach, you know, that kind of a hard share in UK or whatever the market, right? And if you can reach, you know, this kind of a hard share, believe me or not, market share, you know, will follow up. I'm Eric Fulweiler, and this is Scratch, bringing you marketing lessons from the leading brands and brains, rewriting the rulebook from scratch for the world of today. Hey, everyone. My guest today, Dennis Gouvan, currently CEO of Platform Excite. Many of you will know him or recognize the name from the work that he did when he was at Standard Charter launching and running Mox, their challenger bank out in Hong Kong. So it's fascinating to get Dennis's perspective. You know, he's not a, a traditional marketer, he's not a CMO, but he's someone who has been a very successful operator in the challenger fintech financial services space for a while. And a lot of that, of course, comes down to the products that he's built, the teams he's built, but also his perspective on marketing. And so it was really interesting to hear that. Uh, I really liked his framework, his philosophy of how heart share leads to market share. And you can definitely see and hear the correlations of what that means in terms of how you build brand and how you build marketing. And then the other thing for me that I'm always interested to get perspectives and advice on from people like Dennis when I talk to them is how do you drive change? How do you drive innovation? How do you drive a challenger mindset and model within a big established incumbent organization like Standard Charter? So Hope you enjoy this conversation with Dennis. I know I really did enjoy. Hey, Dennis, how you doing? Very good, Eric. You know, good to see you. Really good to see you too. Good to reconnect after all these years. How are things in Istanbul these days? Everything, everything is great in Istanbul. You know, unfortunately, you know, we couldn't you know catch up in money twenty twenty in Amsterdam. But in right now, I'm in Istanbul. The weather is great, lovely. Everything is beautiful here. I can't wait to, I actually have been to Istanbul, but it was a very quick trip. It was like a two or three day trip a bunch of years ago. But I was saying before we press record, I think our first rival retreat, our team getaway that we're going to be doing twice a year, I think will be somewhere in Turkey. So maybe I'll see you when I come down in October. Great idea. I will be with you guys. All right, Dennis, let's get into it. I mean, we had a, we actually, I wish we had recorded the first 20 minutes of this before we actually started the episode, but we'll be able to cover a lot of that ground again. So why don't we just start with a quick introduction? Obviously, I will have introduced you to the guests with the intro that I'll record after our chat, but why don't you tell our guests your story in your own words? Because it's a very, you know, your path, what you've done, it's very interesting. And like I was saying, you know, you're not a CMO, but I think your experience and what you have to share is incredibly relevant and valuable to our audience. So who is Dennis Gouven? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Eric, you know, first of all, you know, thank you very much, you know, for having me today. I think, you know, having, you know, this kind of a conversation with you, it's always, you know, great for me because I remember our really early days, you know, which we didn't have, you know, mocks at that time. I'm talking about, you know, Hong Kong Times, you know, you helped me a lot. And we talk about, you know, a lot of, you know, marketing ideas together. My background is uh, most of the time, you know, people, you know, when they ask me, Dennis, you know, who you are, what are you doing? Of course, you know, I had been in banking, you know, around, you know, 22 years. And most of the time, you know, this question sometimes, you know, came to me, you know, from my, uh, 
father and whenever you know he asked me like then is what are you doing you know in banking you know are you a branch you know, manager are you in the treasury are you in the credit you know what are you doing because you know he didn't you know figure out you know for many many years because you know i remember you know early 2000s you know it was like you know it's it was a different story right you know we were like you know a couple of guys you know sitting you know at that corner and building you know a couple of websites and suddenly everything changed you know mobile apps you know mobile infrastructures you know 4g iphone everything you know changed and suddenly you know this trend you know this web managers you know they became like you know really you know different you know revenue streamers you know for many businesses not only in banking my background is mainly banking uh, but i all you know when my my, my parents you know they asked me you know my answer is i'm in the trust business i think you know this is the most important thing you know in this life because if whatever you are doing you know if you are in the trust business you know believe me you know you are 51 percent you know successful already so um, I worked for you know many banks you know in the in the past you know I'm talking about you know HSBC BBVA Group and of course you know uh, when I first you know moved to Asia I was in Singapore and I was covering you know 32 different markets as a global head you know in Standard Chartered Standard Chartered is a great you know place you know to work and covering you know all the emerging markets I think you know I learned a lot you know from this experience. Uh, when I say emerging markets, you know, I'm not only talking about Asia, Africa, Middle East, you know, there are a lot of, there were a lot of opportunities. And I experienced, you know, different markets, different jurisdictions, you know, to how to, you know, deal with, you know, different, you know, problems at the same time with a, with a very, very, you know, difficult, you know, technology stack, risk stack, also, you know, the marketing stack. And if you want to deal with these many problems at the same time, you have to, you know, organize your mind first. And create, you know, an operating model, you know, to work, you know, in, a, in this kind of an environment. And it helped me a lot. And luckily, you know, I think in 2018, you know, we decided to build a, a, a future operating model, which some of the people, you know, they call them challenger banks or, you know, digital banks, which I don't like it, you know, because I don't want to label the, a bank, you know, with a license, you know, with this kind of a thing, because... Is there any digital bank or there's, you know, do we believe that, you know, this is a digital bank, this is a normal bank? I think, you know, this kind of labeling are, is not working anymore. And so that's why, you know, I started to build that. Uh, you guys, you know, helped me a lot, you know, especially, you know, starting from positioning. Uh, I built a bank, you know, Mox. It was just a project with a couple of people. We obtained the license. We got, you know, all the, the JV partners, you know, we sold 34 point 34.9% of the company uh, for 210 million, you know, to our JV partners, you know, in the beginning, uh, they help us a lot, you know, to create the daily banking, you know, uh, especially in the region. Um, we launched the bank with an entirely new technology stack, with a new mentality, with a lot of talents, you know, globally. Uh, I, I think, you know, that when I first, when I stepped down, you know, from my CEO role, uh, six, seven months ago, uh, there were 29 different nationalities, 19 different languages, you know, in Mox Bank. So that was that kind of a journey for me. Uh, right now, what I'm doing, you know, I have, we have a London-based um, angel platform. It's not a fund. It's not VC. Uh, we are helping, you know, especially on funding side. But at the same time, we have, you know, three important muscles. You know, one is technology. Second one is, of course, service design. And the third one is growth. 
when I say growth, I'm not only talking about, you know, growth marketing, Eric. I'm talking about, you know, growth and what I believe, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, growth, it's also connected with your balance sheet. It's also, you know, connected with your cash flow. So that's my story in a nutshell. So a couple of quick questions based on that. So if you don't like the term challenger bank, what would you call it? Or what do you think people should be calling these startup challenger banks? I'm sorry, I can't think of a different word. So you tell me. Challenger something, right? You know, I mean, it's, challenger it's, something. Okay. Yeah, it could could be bank. Could be you know, if you are in FMCG, you now how are you going to call it, right? My my point is here actually. I remember our first meeting, you know, with the top management team, also the the the, the board of you know Standard Chartered, and I asked you know two main questions to these people, you know, uh, sitting you know around the table. So the first question is, can you defend yourself with your existing operating model from non-traditional players, wherever you are? If you're in London, Paris, Amsterdam, Jakarta, uh, Toronto, it's not important. Can you do that? The second question is, can you attack this market or any market with your existing operating model? If one of your answers is no, you have a problem. Okay. You have a problem. And you have to ask, you know, these two questions, maybe, maybe every six months, you know, to yourself to understand, you know, what's going on in the market and also, you know, with your operating model. So that's why, you know, instead of saying, hey, you know, this is a, this is a digital bank, neo bank, you know, or virtual banks, you know, okay, you know, the different terms. What I'm saying is I would prefer to build and run future operating models, okay? And under the future operating models, and the model, you know, could be very, of course, you, who you are, what you need, et cetera, et cetera. So you can build these future operating models and under that technology, risk, digital, product, customer, you should you know, use them in a totally different way. Yeah. It, it is interesting just building on that a little bit because one of the things that we talk about a lot is how overused the term challenger actually is. It seems like, every, I mean, certainly in the fintech space, everything is a challenger. Even in the FMCG world, which we do a lot of work in as well, CPG, everything's a challenger. And even some of the traditional businesses out there are starting to call themselves challengers. And I think it's really interesting because the term challenger is actually a statement of intent not accomplishment. You're saying that you want to do something, but what we're all about as rival and why it's interesting having conversations with people like you is what does it take to build a true successful challenger? Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to, can you actually disrupt the industry that you're in? And ironically, if you're successful, you become, you know, the new incumbent and then you need to keep yourself uh, consistently evolving and innovating. And I really like that framework of, can you defend yourself and can you attack the market? One of the ways that I think about it is, which I think gets you to the same place, but is a little bit of a different prompt. If you were going to start things over again from scratch today, right? How would you do it differently? Because that shows you where the gaps are, where someone could attack you or you're not able to attack the market. Now, obviously, if you are a 10-person startup like we are, that's much easier because we literally did that exercise six months ago when we launched. And that led us to things like being fully remote, like you know, being somewhere between a consultancy and an advertising agency, focusing on the technology that we want to build as well as the services, we were able to design it from scratch. If you're standard chartered, it's a lot harder, but actually I think you have a bigger opportunity if you get the right people, the right process, and lastly, the right technology in place by doing things like what you did 
at Mach. So it's really interesting to hear you think about it because I think that uh, I can see why that prompt and that question, and obviously you and who you are and the team and business you were able to build, I can see how that unlocked the right conversations within Standard Chartered. Yeah. My point here, actually, you know, there, there are, I think, you know, a couple of things here. The first of all, you know, I would hire, you know, a couple of roles, you know, earlier. Okay. This role thing, you know, is super important. And I, to be honest, you know, in my experience, yes, we built a bank, you know, from scratch, perfect. But I was, I think, a bit late, you know, to hire, you know, a couple of roles. And the roles are not important, but I'm talking about, you know, critical um journey partners right i mean i'm not talking about you know the, the seniority or you know junior junior people or you know the, the titles the most important thing is you know you need you know some journey partners and these partners you know should be there starting from day one or at least you know 1.1 right i'm not talking about you know day two because you know sometimes you want to do many things but if you can't hire the, the right talents doesn't work you know properly and sometimes you know it takes you know more time and you know costly right um this is the first thing and i would do you know something differently which is actually sometimes what you feel i mean you want to be you know super perfect you know before launch i mean i'm i'm not against that <laughs> don't don't take me wrong but there's always a, a smarter MVP or, you know, we can call it like, you know, most lovable product, right? I mean, MVP is a bit dangerous and most lovable product. I always believe that, you know, the desirability part of the, 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 the project or, you know, the, the platform or whatever the service, it's critical. And if you feel that, you know, there is this desirability here, I mean, you should launch it. I mean... And of course, in banking, you know, I'm coming, you know, with a lot of uh, DNA of like, you know, how I can accept this risk, how I can accept, you know, this kind of stuff. This doesn't mean that, you know, you can't launch it. Um, so that's why, you know, the, the, the cost of time, the cost of, you know, the timing, it is super important. I think, you know, these two things are... Uh, I, would I think timing, I mean, I would, I would take it a step further. I think... Timing or speed, the ability to move quickly, the ability to get to market quickly, because not only particularly in a space like challenger banking or whatever you want to call it, in new markets, the ability to get there first is, of course, such a huge advantage. But more importantly, the faster you can ship code, ship product, ship content marketing or anything about your brand, the faster and more often you're going to be able to get feedback from the people that you're actually building it for to figure out whether or not it's the right thing. And so I actually think that the calling it the strive for perfection actually gives it too much of a positive spin because I think having worked with a lot of businesses, it's not about that. It's about people trying sometimes to protect their turf or feel like they need to be involved in making a decision or subjectivity that doesn't actually have to do with what the, the audience and the customer actually thinks and needs. So I actually think if you trace, you know, I don't think there's really a way to do this, but if you traced a lot of the, a lot of the um, vulnerabilities or inability of big incumbent organizations to capture new markets, to defend themselves or attack, like you talked about, I think a lot of it comes down to that. Eric, you know, totally right. And what what you mentioned, for example, the, the the subjective objective things, right? You know, there there are a couple of there are some things. You know, there are super straightforward. 
but I mean, if you are if you are talking about you know design, I mean, for example, you know, in my experience, you know, what happened, you know, we started with a huge ethnographic research, and I never you know go somewhere with the board members or you know with someone. Hey, you know, I believe this should be like that. You know, I mean, this is the most dangerous thing you know for your business. You know, there is no I, there is no me, you, or someone. There is a target group there, you know, for your business, and this is the research. This is, you know, all, you know, the, the continuous, you know, testing results. And this is our target. Hey, as Dennis, I'm the CEO. This is my experience. And design, you know, should be like that. I mean, this is not a great touch. You are not helping your business. I mean, of course, you know, I have my hands, you know, because of my experiences. But at the same time, you know, you have to be a bit objective and give the freedom, you know, to the team. If you have the right team, of course you know, to, to run and proceed it. I think that is quite crucial. So we've gotten through one question. <laughs> We're 15 minutes in. It's great. Um, no, I think it's the sign of a good conversation. But so I want to ask, and I like to ask this question of most guests, but I particularly want to ask it of you, which is what is a brand or business that you are really fascinated by or really into right now? And the reason I want to ask it of you is because you are involved in so many different businesses, not only through Platform Excite and the investment work that you're doing, and you mentioned how many investments you've made in the nine months that it's been online, but also you go to your LinkedIn and you have to scroll a couple pages down to actually get to your full-time role because you're involved as a board advisor, uh, as a strategic advisor, as a board member to so many different businesses. So you are one of the people that clearly has such a pulse on what's going on, especially in the fintech world globally. What are, you know, if you had to pick a couple businesses that you're really excited about right now, what are they and why? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking, you know, from a very traditional angle anymore. And these last um, seven, eight months, you know, uh, that helped me a lot, you know, to understand, you know, what's going on outside. Because, you know, when I was in MOX, of course, you know, my focus was, you know, entirely the bank, you know, running that, you know, building, you know, more, you know, services, you know, to make money also, you know, help the customers in Hong Kong and the region. But right now, I think, you know, uh, this this period, you know, I met you know a lot of talented, you know, and different minds uh, globally, and I learned you know many new things. Um, my, my my approach, you know, to the businesses right now is a bit different. Uh, I can give you an example. Eric, I think you, you mentioned about this, right? You know, the, the timing, etc. Everybody, you know, six months ago, everybody wants to wanted to launch a exchange platform and on the exchange platform you know most of the time you know i'm talking about crypto but you know different assets as well and but today you know just because of crypto you know all the you know exchange players you know they are thinking uh i mean it's it's not an easy time you know for everyone you know because of the markets and they have to you know change the strategy and you know a lot of you know fintech entrepreneurs right now or we can't launch it so my point is, you know, what is the real, real wave that you have to fall off or you have to, you know, jump on? Um, because, I mean, of, obviously, you know, there was a huge, you know, opportunity, you know, for exchange, you know, market, exchange, you know, uh, platforms, you know, to make money because of the, the, the commissions. But was that the real opportunity, which is or will be, you know, future proof? Or, you know, the, the real opportunity is different. For example, you know, what I'm focusing on right now, I'm focusing on fractional economy. 
So what is fractional economy? I mean, instead of focusing on a couple of assets or, you know, people or, you know, products, I would prefer to, you know, understand, you know, what will happen in the next, you know, 24 to 36 months in the world, in different markets, you know, with this kind of an inflation. In this kind of an inflational environment, you know, what will be the products and how the people, you know, will consume the things, you know, in a different way. Are they going to are, are they going to you know consume the things you know like you know today? Hey, I want to get a mortgage. Why? Because I'm going to you know buy this apartment you know which is you know two million pounds in Chelsea, and I need you know one million mortgage. Or is it going to be something like, hey, I don't have you know two million, but at the same time you know I want to you know buy this you know in a fractional way, and this fractional way with the help of this fractional way you know there will be you know second hand market you know with all liquidity. And whenever I want to uh, go to, you know, liquidity side, you know, I can sell it or I can make money as like an investment. So what I'm talking about, you know, fractional housing, fractional energy, fractional coffee beans, fractional everything, fractionalize any kind of, you know, assets, you know, globally, it's going to be extremely important. And instead of, you know, thinking, hey, I'm a platform, you know, coming, um, I can, I can provide you, for example, um, five, uh, five pounds, you know, fractional, um, Google's, um, stocks or, you know, whatever it is, right? I, I to be honest, you know, you can buy, you know, this Google fractional or, you know, whatever anywhere in the world right now, almost, right? You know, it's becoming, you know, long tail. What I'm saying is these people globally, they want to, you know, save. And they want to, you know, invest in a different way. And what will be the, the, the behavior behind it? What will be the need habits? And how are you going to transform the, the financial products with the help of, you know, the, the technology, which is sounds like, you know, for example, blockchain smart contracts, you know, will help a lot, you know, to fractionalize the things. And all this, you know, notary system, you know, could be, could be easily you no know, change you know in the future you know with the help of the governments which will give a lot of you know liquidity you know for everyone and managing you know this kind of a system liquidity plus you know the, the treasury systems globally 24/7 real time and you know people they can invest in a different shape and form i think you know this is something you know which we have to you know look at it and if you are talking about you know what i'm focusing on right now this is one area that I'm focusing on, but not with a traditional way. Because I don't want to be like, a, hey, of course, Eric, you know, I can easily answer you. I really like, you know, decentralized projects and I want to invest in a, what is decentralized? And how are you going to do that? I think we have to, you know, start from the customer and behavioral changes are coming, you know, and will come in the next, you know, couple of years. If we can understand, you know, what will happen here. Everybody's talking about big res reset, right? What is big reset? When we have a you know, big reset, you know, how are we going to position our products and our platforms in a different way? This is quite critical. Other than that, I mean, this is one area which I use it, you know, as an example right now. Of course, you know, I believe embedded finance, you know, it's going to be important. Eric, I'm sure, you know, you will ask, you know, some marketing questions to me. So embedded, when I say embedded finance, I also believe that, you know, there, there will be you no know, embedded marketing. And what will be embedded marketing in the future? And how are we going to position uh, ourselves, you know, for the embedded marketing? You know, it's going to be another, you know, topic, you know, for us. But these are the areas, you know, I'm, I don't want to give a, a really uh, usual suspects, you know, like, hey, I'm on blockchain. Well, 
I don't believe it. You know, I, I still, you know, I, I still believe that, you know, all the innovations, all the new services, you know, will come from customer side, which we have to, you know, understand, you know, quite carefully. What do you think embedded marketing could look like? Oh, such a lovely question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of teed me up for it. I couldn't, I couldn't not engage. <laughs> so embedded marketing, you know, so what is embedded finance, first of all, right? You know, there are a lot of sauce or buzz players like, you know, bank as a service, you know, open banking, you know, APIs, all these open API platforms. Uh, we have been talking about these things, you know, since 2015-16, right? And, you know, some of the governments, some of the markets, you know, they open these, you know, platforms. UK is a great example. I'm not saying that, you know, super successful, but uh, at least, you know, there are a lot of tries, you know, in the market, you know, coming from both sides. Um, but what I see actually, you know, embedded finance, it's all about, um, you know me, right? Uh, as a part of, you know, Standard Chartered in the past, I'm also a big fan of Liverpool. And this Liverpool thing, you know, there's one rule in, in Liverpool, right? You know, never walk alone. And as a part of never walk alone, you know, I think, you know, this is quite critical. You need to understand how you position yourself. When I say, you know, embedded marketing, embedded finance, you have to go with you know some people, whatever the, the how however you want to define your JV structure. When I say JV, because you know I really believe that you know JVs you know will will be the the main differentiators you know in the future. And it's not like hey I have an ecosystem and these guys are helping me on marketing. These guys are helping me and we are marketing partners. I don't believe you know this is working. But JV structure, if you have the the, the right construct you know with the right people. I believe that, you know, this is, this is the clear thing. While you are doing this, you know, in this kind of a structure, how you position your data and data embedded marketing, you know, these are, you know, uh, con these are connected. It's super easy, you know, to use your first party data most of the time, Eric. But the problem is, you know, there, I know many organizations, I'm not only talking about startups, you know, even big organizations, they don't know how to use their first party data. And but at the same time, ambitiously, you know, they want to use the third-party data, which could be anything, you know, outside. Perfect, you know, it's a great ambition. Why don't you? I mean, to do that, you know, they want to, you know, focus on the technology and marketing tech. Um, does marketing tech, you know, solve all the problems, or you know, you have a right marketing operating model, you know, to connect, you know, this data and how you are going to use and build, you know, the services, you know, on top of it. That's a question mark. But my point is, you know, embedded finance, it's all about, you know, second party data and how you connect it, you know, with your first party data. Second party data is mainly coming from your partners, real partners, and how you are going to, you know, position yourself, you know, in the middle of, you know, all these things connected to the customer lifecycle with the right, you know, services and products. This is embedded finance. I'm not talking about, you know, hyperlinks or, you know, some connections, you know, between this platform and that platform, sister apps. These are easy. I'm sure, you know, there are tons of marketers, you know, outside. But the idea is connecting to this, this kind of a second party, third party, first party data together. Just an example. Um, I'm sure, you know, you are using, you know, some of the, 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 the best, you know, challenger banks in UK right now. And they have, a, they have, you know, great platforms, you know, interface is great, which I'm, I'm also, you know, their users. And when I look at it, look at them, most of, you know, most probably, you know, they know, uh, which, which, uh, iPhone model, you know, that I'm using right now. 
but I have never seen something, you know, that they're offering to me, you know, directly. Hey, Dennis, you are using, you know, iPhone 11, whatever. Okay. And there's a new offer, you know, iPhone 14. You know, why don't you know get this, you know, from us, you know, with this kind of a link and you do not need to go outside our app. You know, you can purchase it, you know, directly. There's also a great cash flow. I mean, there's a second part data, first part data, all together, totally targeted. Just an example, right? And we, we try and we did, you know, similar things in mocks in Hong Kong with Hong Kong Telecom. And it's all about, you know, embedded your marketing in a way, you know, with the right data. Okay. So embedded marketing, if I was going to summarize that, is about collecting and storing the right data in a customer-centric way to deliver a better, more effective experience. And it sounded like part of that was also making sure you have the right partners around you and it's embedded within the organization. Yeah, you explain much better than me. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, you explained it. I just had to try to synthesize. It's interesting. I haven't heard anybody talk about that, but you know, it's it's catchy. I like it. We'll see if it catches on. So why don't we use that to springboard into, um, you know, obviously you don't come from a traditional marketing background. You haven't had a CMO role, but obviously you understand marketing. And from an outsider's perspective, it seems like it played a big role in the success of Mox. Thinking about the brand, that's of course where we where we cross paths originally. So maybe I'm a little bit biased, but as a banker or someone who comes from banking, as a product uh, guy, as the CEO of an initiative like Mox and within an organization like Standard Charter, how did you think about marketing to make it successful with Mox or any other project? If you want to talk about that, yeah, um, a really nice question, uh, not an easy one. Uh, there's no one silver bullet, you know, to kill that, right? Uh, but, you know, I think you know, there are a couple of things, you know, that which you ha- which we, we try to do that, you know, in mocks. First of all, I think that the <clears throat> you are starting from, I mean, you have to understand, you know, what are the real pains, what are the real motivations, position your brand, you know, properly, and try to be a differentiator, you know, with your brand, with your brand essences, plus, you know, with the products and the services. There is no product, there is no service or a bank, you know, that you can, hey, you know, my brand is super cool, but, you know, I don't have products. I, it doesn't work like that, right? Now I'm saying, for example, you know, many people, you know, they come to me right now, hey, you know, we are a fintech. Perfect. What are you doing? We will. But look at our interfaces. I mean, this is not marketing. This is not branding. You know, that's not enough. Because, you know, being a bank or being a strong brand, it's more than that. And... The, the the other part of it, you know, of course, you know, when I when I try to you know build the marketing and marketing team plus you know the, the marketing part of Mox, there were a couple of other things, right? From day one, you know, we said you know everything will be twenty four seven plus real time, and it was you know day one. You know, I I can't you know accept anything like hey this is going to be batch. And this is all about, you know, how you design your marketing system. Uh, most of the time, you know, people, you know, they ask me, Dennis, you know, marketing is not the most important thing right now. You are building a bank. But from day one, maybe day zero, you have to think about, you know, how you are going, architectural part of your marketing is not only about offers. It's not about, you know, how you give the cash back. It's not only, you know, how you do your campaigns, you know, with a targeted base. I'm not talking about it. Starting from data. And what is data like for you? I mean, is it only a database? Or do you want to use, you know, all these, you know, first, second, third party data all together? Starting from that architecture, 
and going forward, how you connect the data and your marketing, you know, to your products, to your services. It's not like, hey, I'm going to, you know, put this text, you know, uh, to my you know, mobile app so I can see any kind of, you know, funnels, uh, starting from onboarding, you know, to the, to my products. Perfect. Great idea. But I think, you know, everybody's trying to do this right now and it shouldn't be a rocket science. But the most important thing is, over the air, you know, can you change it, you know, immediately, for example, you know, can you deploy something, you know, if you see, you know, something in the production, which, you know, you are, if you are seeing, you know, a couple of bottlenecks, like, hey, you know, this product is not working because of this, we are losing, you know, at least, you know, 75 people or 1000 people in the last three hours, you know, in this funnel, in this session, how can we change it over the air, real time, deploy it, run it, test it, I mean, this is marketing, right? I mean, you have to build, you know, this kind of a stack. And on top of this stack, you have to put, you know, right people. And these right people, you know, they have to think out of out of the box. And shouldn't be like, um, hey, you know, we are going to use, you know, influencers, really. But, uh, of course, you know, obvious, right? Everybody wants to use influencers. But these influencers, are they going to be connected with your product and how you are going to, you know, measure it, you know, in a different way. I'm not only talking about, you know, the, the, the connectors between. I think it's super important. This is all about, you know, how you position the marketing, you know, for your bank or in your organization. Yeah. It's um, drawing out a bit of what you're talking about and tell me if I'm not getting this right, but one of the conversations I have a lot, particularly with startups and scale-ups, you know, not just within FinTech, but of course we do a lot in the FinTech world. A lot of those businesses don't have a lot of D marketing DNA in the early teams, right? And I think there's a lot of uh, misperception about what marketing actually is. A lot of people think marketing is advertising. They think marketing is, you know, the billboards and the TV campaigns and the bus wraps and all that stuff. You know, I don't know if you remember, but in the London fintech scene, you know, maybe five, six years ago, there's a lot of conversations from the Monzos and the Revoluts, et cetera, about we don't do marketing. They do marketing because marketing is anything that connects the product to the customer if you're thinking about it right. And so I think what you're talking about of, of you know, it's kind of my interpretation of it, which is how I think about it as well, is yes, there's a part of it that's the promotion, that's the communication to the market, but it's much more about how do you connect the product in the right way to the customer and their needs? Or actually, I should put that the other way. How do you work backwards from the customer and their needs to connect them into the product that you're building? I want to, um, you've talked about marketing stack a few times. So break that down. What, what is, how do you think about the marketing stack? How did you go about building it at Box? Or if you were advising a startup, how would you say, hey, here's what you should do to build your marketing stack? I mean, first, look at your customer, look at the data. But especially if you're a startup, you know, there's no data, right? You know, that's the, that's a critical part, but at least, you know, you need to understand your data structure and marketing stack. Um, my, my other rule was if it is not, I mean, measured, if it is not, you know, data or real time or performance based, that was not marketing for me. And I separated, you know, them, you know, into two parts. I mean, doing branding, it's a very important thing, you know, if you're in the business. And do branding. I'm not against it. 
But at the same time, if we are talking about you know, real marketing, it should be measured, performance-based. And, you know, you have to, you know, see all of these things, you know, from day one. As you said, you know, Eric, you know, in the very beginning, you know, you, you could be, you know, super busy. And business, you know, why? Because you are building tons of other things. And marketing is the last thing. Shouldn't be. Now, this is the biggest mistake, you know, you would, I mean, you shouldn't do that. Why, you know, I mean, you should, you know, design it from day one all together. This doesn't mean that, you know, you have to build it, you know, from day one. You can wait it, but at least, you know, architecturally, your technology team, your product team, your marketing team, you know, should be all together. This is going to be the way, you know, we will go. But, of course, we can prioritize, right? You know, there's a backlog, you know, certainty. And this backlog, you know, most of the time, you know, backlogs, you know, don't allow you, you know, to do everything, you know, at the same time. But, I mean, uh, design it, you know, architect it, you know, earlier. So before we wrap up, because we're almost up on time, at the very beginning when you were introducing yourself, you said, I'm in the trust business. What does that mean? How do you think about that? And how would you, uh, how would you, how would, what advice would you give to people listening if that's been a key part of your success? I mean, trust business, you know, mainly, no, I don't want to label the, the banking, you know, like banking, right? You know, because people, you know, they they always ask me, you know, Denise, you know, are you a technologist? I'm not a technologist. Well, I understand technology quite well. I'm not a marketer. I'm not a you know, banker entirely, but I know banking, you know, in and out. Um, the, the thing is, um, I position, I, I, I try to, you know, see myself, you know, as a trusted, you know, partner and doing, you know, a trust business, you know, for everyone, wherever, you know, I am. And most of the time, you know, I'm doing, you know, fintech businesses or, you know, financial institutions. And, and this is the most important thing because if you don't believe that, you know, you are doing a trust business, if you believe that, you know, hey, you know, technology, with the help of technology, I'm going to, you know, kill this market. I mean, you have to think about, you know, the trust first. Who is going to use you? Why are they going to, you know, use you, you know, your platform? And, and what is the trust element, you know, there that, you know, people, you know, they will understand and they will see you know perceptionally you know they will perceive it you know it's it's going to be important in moxbank for example you know we try to focus on this you know most of the time i mean give the give the trust first and then give the the, the other things you know after that and i think you know it works and most of the time you know i'm using you know this i know i mean this is just an important thing you know to explain thing uh the the the, the experience trust i think that's all about, you know, having to, getting to the highest heart share instead of, you know, market share, right? And I remember, you know, starting from our first board meeting, you know, in Mox, you know, they, they asked me, you know, Dennis, what will be our market share? Uh, what, when will we see the, you know, break even operational, you know, profit? I mean, very normal, right? I wake up every morning with the numbers. This is okay. But if you are a new brand, I mean, you have to think about, you know, other things. First of all, what will be your hard share? And how are you going to get that hard share? What will be the standards? What will be the rules to reach, you know, that kind of a hard share in UK or whatever the market, right? And if you can reach, you know, this kind of a hard share, believe me or not, uh, market share, you know, will follow. It is easy, you know, to create the market share. But if you don't have the desirability, if you don't have the right market share, the hard share, you know, skills, 
in the bank, in the organization, in your talent pool, in your marketing team, in your product team. I don't believe that you know you can get the, the you can get you know enough market share you know from that market. I love it. All right, Dennis, we're going to wrap things up. I know we only got two minutes, so three quick questions. The first is, what is one thing people should do differently after listening to this conversation? Oh, that's tough, Eric. I think well, I can't say you know something like this, but. Um, Please, no, I can't, I really want, you know, back, you know, to the, to the, to the listeners. Please look at, you know, the, the markets and the, the changing habits and motivations on the consumer side instead of, you know, just following a couple of, uh, not sustainable waves or, you know, trends. Second question. If people want to find out more about what you're up to or connect with you, we'll drop a link to Platform Excite in the show notes. But anything else that they should look up? I mean, LinkedIn, my LinkedIn profile, you know, I always, you know, answer. Don't worry, you know, I'm 24-7, you know, I will answer your inquiries, you know, from there. Great. And last question, who should we have on the show? Who would you recommend as a future guest? Because of course, you're, I mean, we were, you know, trading messages and I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while, but David Breer recommended when I saw him in Amsterdam that we get you on. But who would you recommend that we look up? I mean, I, I think, you know, I have, you know, two because um, there's one, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, pass it back, you know, to Jason Bates, but I really... <laughs> enjoy you know listening He'd be you know, good. we're emailing with him as well yeah yeah i think you know bait mr bates you know he's doing you know great you know whenever you know he explains something you know i'm getting you know a lot of articulation on my side you know so that's why you know that would be lovely and the other thing is you know i don't want to you know share a name but i really want to i would love to you know listen someone you know from asia directly because there are a lot of things you know happening there especially in singapore right now you know there will be a couple of naive um, new banks, new operating models. I think, you know, that will be lovely, you know, to hear, you know, their experiences as well. Great. All right, Dennis, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm My sure pleasure. our audience did too. And it was great to see you again. Thank you very much. Scratch is a production of Rival. We are a growth consultancy that builds challenger brands, strategies, and capabilities to disrupt categories. If you want to learn more about us, check out wearerival.com. If you want to connect with me, email me at eric at wearerival.com or find me on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, share with anyone you think might enjoy it, and leave us a review. Thanks for listening and see you next week.